This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. All right, Matthew chapter 5. Are you there? Say Jess. All right. Okay. Let me come close to you. I'm going to preach for 30 minutes. You're like, you're lying in church. (laughs) All right. I preached at the Light the Fire Again conference in Toronto. When was that, babe? Two weeks ago? Something like that. And um, the Lord began to stir me with the necessity of getting back into the scriptures as a people. Oh, God, help me with this. I said this from the platform, and I mean it. When we know more about portals, realms, and shofars than the Beatitudes... We have a problem. Like we have a problem, literally. (laughs) Now, there's a critical spirit out there that you could never please. Never. I mean, you can't be poor enough. You can't be rich enough. You can't pray for the sick few enough times or too many. You just can't please everyone. I'm learning that. But some, there is some stuff that, that, that Holy Spirit charismatic Pentecostals need to get back to. Like reading your Bible. Your actual Bible. And as I said, yeah, let's just all grab a seat, please. As I said in Toronto, if you guys watched it, and now that is the home of one of the greatest moves of God in history that I honor so much. They are family to us. I'm up there a few times a year. John and Carol are not have been here, but I felt to I felt the Lord stirred me to say it from like the mothership for a reason, and they were all applauding and screaming and very happy to hear it because John and Carol are Bible loving people. But you need to like we need to teach our kids about like Daniel and the lion's den again, uh, Jonah and the big fish or the whale. Whatever you want to call it. You're, and as I say, tell your, if your kids say, do you really believe that? Say, oh yeah, baby, I would believe it if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale. <laughs> that you've got to like, teach them the word. Teach, let, now listen. Oh my God, is Michael a cessationist now? No. No, and, and, and it, it's, it's those types of mindsets and thoughts that we need to throw away. It's like somebody who's committed to discipleship. The default mode, if somebody's committed to discipleship, is this. Well, they don't love souls. Isn't that true? That's what the fallen mind goes. Well, if somebody's very pastoral, the critical mind goes, oh, they must not win too many people to Jesus. If somebody's out doing crusades, a default mode is this. Well, they really don't love people. They just love crowds. They need to disciple people. And the devil loves to bring scalpels and place them in places that God doesn't want them to be. 
So there is no choosing between the word of God and the flow of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in fact, loving the word will generate the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It will begin to stir it. It will begin to, this combustible situation takes place in your life every day. We should be weeping over the scriptures. Not because we're sad all the time, but because our heart is moved. The scriptures bring us into the heart of God. I want you to write that down. The scriptures are the heart of God on paper. Oh, can I just be me? I'm going to pretend we don't have Facebook right now. (laughs) All right, if you're a soaker, listen. If if you're a soaker, like my my son Benny, he said he was the best soaker (laughs) at Bethel. In his school. And I said, well, how do they, how do you know who the best is? And I guess they actually have a rating system. If you're a soaker, it doesn't mean the guy who loves high praise is wrong. It just means you need him. You missed that. You did miss it. Oh, yeah, you did. Don't let, you absolutely missed it. Listen. <laughs> just because you are wired a certain way, it does not mean that the guy over here with the tambourine is wrong. It just means God may be inviting you into his breakthrough. So now you can have your beanbag and a tambourine. (laughs) Okay, that being said, if you are more wired to be in love with the presence, learn to find the presence in the scriptures. It will not weaken your time in the presence It'll actually create a firestorm in the presence. Your heart will come alive. Now, if you do not get into the scriptures, you will fall in love with a different presence. It's not the right one. And I've, if, you've, if you're a student, you've heard me say this all the time. You cannot create your own Jesus. We don't have the right. So a partial Jesus is a different Jesus. So once, once you're exposed to the Jesus who heals, you are forever mandated to be responsible in that realm for the rest of your life. It wasn't just so God could wow you. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, you know, uh, it, it, there's more to it there. The moment you're exposed to Jesus the healer, you have to be faithful to Jesus the healer, and you can't sell out to speak at a bigger conference and reject him. You say, that happens out there? All the time all the time if Jesus provides for you miraculously you don't want to sell out and be ashamed of his goodness in your life because maybe there's people in need who need the actual revelation that God gave you this is my point there are aspects of the Lord that are being introduced that don't contradict one another They complement one another and increase the fire. So I want to talk about reading the Bible. You're like, dude, I did not come down to Jesus nights. This is Jesus nights. This is not Bible nights. This is the right Jesus nights. This is Jesus of Nazareth nights. This is the real Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible. The, the, The rugged, loving 
Jesus who climbed mountains and could still put a child on his knee. The more you see of him in the scriptures, the more you can fall in love with him. Have you ever heard this scripture? Yay, or yes, if you're New King James, he is, <laughs> like you guys are, like the charismatics are like, yay. No, it's not what that means there. It means yes. Yay, he is altogether lovely. Think about that for a moment. Yes, he, Jesus, is all together lovely. That means the more I see of him, the more I love him. So his altogetherness is eternally connected to his loveliness. He is altogether lovely. Now, he is not just all lovely. He is altogether lovely. That means he's perfectly put together. He is strong and there are no holes within his presence. You can trust the Lord himself. And the more I discover of the fullness of his breath, the more I fall in love with him. So the wider my vision is, the more there is to love. Let me, let, let me give you an example. How many of you remember the day you got born again? How good did you feel? Didn't you feel, you were like, whoa, wait, this is too good to be true. And if you received a gospel that wasn't too good to be true, there's a good shot you didn't hear the whole thing. It is too good, but it is true. It's true. So God, God doesn't hold a single sin against you when you give your life to Jesus. He doesn't work on you. He doesn't improve you. He doesn't counsel you, though I'm not against counseling. He's not up there counseling you through your... He literally takes you and replaces you with him. So he doesn't offer a change. He doesn't offer, hey, Michael, you want to be changed? No. He says, hey, Michael, I'm going to destroy you, crucify, cru crucify you right now by faith, and I'm going to give you my life. And your actual body is going to become my house. Oh, that one gets me every time. I don't know. It does. It just messes with me. I mean, how could it be that God lives right here all the time? He doesn't take vacation. He's just there. And so all I have to do is close my eyes and just go, Jesus. And it's all over. You know, come find us an hour later. Totally changed, feeling great, drinking new wine. He has made us his home. So Paul says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body, your actual body, your skin has become the house of God. Your body, he lives right there. And guess what? He never leaves. Never. Say that, he never leaves. The Bible says, I am with you even unto the end of the age. <laughs> He's never going to go anywhere. The gospel is beautiful. So when you hear this, and you hear that your sins are removed, that you've been given newness of life, that you are a new creature, you walk out of that building or wherever you got born again. For me, it was on Forest City Road at OCC. My father-in-law led me to the Lord as a little boy. When I left that, that sanctuary, I sang all the way home to a CD. Uh, it wasn't even CD. We didn't have CDs back then. It was a tape. How many of you have ever held a tape? How many of you have not ever held a cassette? How many of you have never touched one? Okay, good. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So 
There was a tape that Integrity Music put out by, by Ron Cannoli. How many remember Ron? And Ron was on that thing, and he sang, and I sang all the way back to Tarpon Springs, Florida, from Maitland. And my aunt, who got born again the same night, she's gone on to be with the Lord, she told my mom that night, she goes, is he ever going to shut up? I just sang all the way home. NRG. That was her name. I sang all the way home. I got to my house and I said this, Lord, if, could I experience for the rest of my life what I felt in that sanctuary? I would love to have this forever. And the Lord said, sure, you can have that. And so I, I discovered how beautiful the Lord was. What happened? I saw him as Savior and I fell in love. Listen closely. I saw him as Savior and I fell in love. We'll get to the Beatitudes in a moment. Saw my Savior, fell in love. I saw him. I saw a piece of his altogetherness and loveliness filled my heart. Then I wanted my family to get born again. Anybody been there? Anybody find that they weren't as willing as you were when you got saved? Do you remember that? You're like, no, no, you don't understand. They're like, no, you don't understand. Put your Bible down or I'm going to shoot you. Like, don't point that Bible at me again or I'm going to put one in you. Do you know what I mean? And you're just like, you're a sinner. And and I sat down with my aunt, my Greek aunt, little mustache. We've got him. We've got him. Nice little mustache. I never forgot it. Is that too much, babe? Sorry. Hey, I'm home. I can do stuff I can't do on the road. Listen. So I said, in Greek, aunt is Thea. I said, Thea, I had my Bible open to John 3, 3. It was all highlighted. I said, you got to read this. She's like, for what? She's like eating Greek food at the table, you know, drinking a beer. I'm like, hey, you need to read this. And it says, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. She goes, what do I need that for? And she said, I said, because you're a sinner. She said, what did you just call me? I said, a sinner. She said, I'll never forget it. She said, if you call me a sinner one more time, I'm going to slap the lips right off your face. I said, but you are a sinner. She goes, how do you know? I said, because the Bible says we are all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, I gave her so much scripture, but, but it, nothing was getting through. It was like bouncing off her, her spiritual iron forehead. And finally, she just told me she was going to hit me if I kept going. So I left. What was I in need of? The power of the Spirit. I needed Jesus to baptize her. I hadn't experienced him yet. I had experienced Jesus the Savior. I loved him. But then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And my family got born again. I fell in love a little more. Now I didn't just see the wounded one hanging on the tree. Now I saw the one who comes to baptize in the Holy Ghost and fire. And I loved him a little more. But then how many of you know, once the fire of the Spirit falls on you, people think you're a little different. Like when I was praying tongues in the house, Sophia goes, stop speaking Spanish. It's, it's not Spanish, you know? She's like, like across the house. Because I, I think it's wonderful to speak in tongues all the time. So I'm just going through the house, speaking in tongues, stirring up the inner man. The Bible says it strengthens the inner man. You know what I mean? I don't think we pray in tongues enough. I, what Pastor Benny said two weeks ago is so true. He said, when we pray in the Spirit, we declare mysteries, the mysteries of God. And he said, Orlando is hungry again for the mysteries of the Lord to be revealed. So I'm, I'm just gunning across my house. You know, I'm going for it. And Sophia's like, hey, 
stop speaking Spanish. Sometimes my kids look at me like, I'll spray in tongues in the golf cart. I like when I'm out there hitting balls, throwing my fly rod. I'm speaking in tongues. You know what I mean? That looks a little weird. I'm not necessarily doing it in front of non-believers. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to. I remember when Jesse and I first got married. <laughs> Our neighbors came to us. You can tell she grew up in the charismatic world. She, uh, I'm like, babe, we need to get them saved. And uh, so they came up to us. They were so nice. And they're like, what do you guys do? And uh, we said, we're pastors. We're pastoring in Orange County, California. And they go, what do you believe? And I'm like, oh, this is it. Give them the gospel. Come on, Jess. She goes, we believe in tongues. And I'm like, (laughs) starting there? Like, that's not where we start. What are we doing here? I'm like, that's gone. That's done. I just walked in the house. I was like, well, okay, babe. So we were learning. (laughs) We were learning. But how many you know when you get saved, filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden this dividing line comes and something hits your life? You feel all alone. And you know what? That's by design. Not everyone who walked with you prior to you giving your heart to Jesus and him filling you with the Spirit is called to walk with you for the rest of your life. And so you, you, something happens that isn't preached enough today. It's called paying a price. Is the reward greater than the price? Yeah. But you can't forget about the price. How many of you know that would not work at a store? If you just focus on the dress you're buying and forgot to swipe the credit card, you're going away in handcuffs. Point is this. There is a price. And part of that price is choosing Jesus above people. I sense in my spirit some of you are struggling with that tonight. You're struggling with that. There are people that you're elevating in your heart. You're making them equal with the Lord. There is no equal. There is none like the Lord. There is none like Him. So something happens. People leave you. That happens every time, and it's supposed to happen. When you come to Jesus, He offers you something. It is called a cross. It's called a cross. And He doesn't throw it on your back. He offers it. You actually have to pick it up. It is a rite of passage. Listen, listen. And regardless of some of the stuff I hear preached today, you never put it down. I know that's not super exciting. It is the most exciting life. But you never put it down. In fact, Madame Guyon said it like this. The cross gives you God and God offers you a cross. So the uniform, the, the, the rite of passage to follow the Lord is this. He has a cross on his back and so do I. This is what we do. We carry a cross. What does the cross say? He purchased me, not my life, not my will, thine be done. And from that perspective and from that posture, resurrection life flows every time. I know that's not popular, but this, is, this would be my challenge to you. I want you to study the lives of the people who had true Holy Ghost power, and you tell me what they preached. They didn't just preach preach daisies and skipping through the meadows with cherubs on each arm. That's not what they preached. That is part, well, not exactly, but the wonderful purchased resurrection life is absolutely a huge piece of the gospel, but we cannot get there without a cross on our back. Can't get there. The cross on our back is a magnet for fire. Your no, listen, 
If God asks you for something and you say yes to God and no to that, you are signing up for fire. Because God doesn't see it as a mere cross. He sees it as an altar covered in blood. And fire always falls on an altar covered in blood. Blood first, then fire. The progression in the scripture is actually blood, fire, glory. So there's no way there, listen, there is no way there outside of a life carrying your cross. You cannot follow Jesus. It is impossible to get through the front door and follow him with a bunch of you attached to you. You can't do it. Now slowly he will whittle away, but make no bones about it. An exchange takes place at the altar. We've got to get this. The Christian life has to become more than some self-help, self-improvement thing. Of course God wants you to start a kingdom business. Great, we know. Do it. Start the kingdom business. But... But that's, that's not where it begins. That's not the, 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 the source of the power. The source of the power is the crucified life. Is this too much? So that is the, it's the rite of passage. It's the gate of entry. That's why when you walked into the tabernacle, you came through the gate, and all of a sudden the first article you saw was the altar of sacrifice, dripping in blood with fire burning on it. Fire falls on the life that carries the cross. It is the uniform. You've got to look like him to go after him. He's wearing a uniform. He is called the cruciform son. If you could look at his heart, his heart is in the shape of not my will but thine be done. This is the Christian life. Are you with me? When you live that life, some people go, "Uh, you're too much. You're too much. And we use words like this. Dude, you won't last. I've been in this 20 years. Your fervor's just not going to last, bro. You need to find some balance. What, what's really being said is, no, you just want me to be cold like you. Because my fire exposes the ice in your heart. If Jesus... If Jesus really saved me from hell, if this book is true, and by the way, this, this book has been the object of scorn and the target of destruction. Entire armies and regimes and nations have tried to squash the written word of God and erase it from human history. Those regimes are gone. They are historical has-beens, yet the word of God remains true. I'm going with the word of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, the Christian life is a life of fire. The Christian life is a life of zeal. The Christian life is a life of a yes, Lord, no me. At what point do you say yes to you? When, that, when you begin to be renewed in the Lord. But it doesn't just start like that. Okay, that being said, people are going to go like this. Chill out, I'm out. And then something happens. You have nobody around you. Now you need a friend. You need a friend. You met the Savior. You met the baptizer. But now you're all alone. Your family thinks you are crazy for coming to Jesus school. They think you've lost your mind. And now you're in your little apartment in a popka. <laughs> and you're just sitting there. Oh my God, I have nobody. What's God setting you up for? A relationship with Him. 
And this is what happens. You meet the friend. And you find that he really is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He really is. What happens? When you see him as friend, you love him a little more. So I loved him when I met him as Savior. I loved him a little more when I met the baptizer and the Holy Spirit in fire. I fell in love a little more when I met the friend who speaks to me at night in my dreams, who tells me who to marry. <laughs> Some of you young guys are like, he will, he will. <laughs> don't marry the ones he tells you not to. And don't come to us for help if we tell you not to. <laughs> He'll talk to you. He'll talk to you. You meet the friend. Now, something else happens. Your aunt gets sick. Your mom gets sick. There's a horrible report. Somebody has stage four cancer. You need more than a friend. You, you get into the scriptures, you find that, yeah, he's a, he's a friend. But he also emptied out entire villages of the sick. I've got to meet him. I have to discover this side of Jesus that hates sickness. As Bill says, if you think he sent sickness, how do you pray against the sickness? Then you're fighting his will. So you discover this Jesus who emptied himself out to destroy sickness. Why do you think he fell asleep on the bow of the boat? He was busy working, going from town to town. He got tired. When he fed the, the multitude in the desert, what did he say? They have been here with me for three days. Read the prior passages. What was he doing for three days? Healing them. A three-day healing service. Jesus loves to heal. Now you need him to heal you, and he does. I said he does. He does. He does. I can't help. I went, two people from Connecticut. I can't help but think of little Emma who came. I was in Connecticut praying uh, for this little girl, stage four lymphoma. Her dad is a, a very well-known attorney in Manhattan. She was at Yale Medical, and they had given up on her. No more treatment, stage four lymphoma. And the Lord told me that morning, I am going to heal Emma when I saw her. I saw her in the parking lot. She had a stocking cap on. She had no hair. Her face was swollen. She was, t- how old was she, baby? Ten. Eight or ten. You, you have to rectify in your heart at that moment that that is not the Lord. You cannot look at an eight-year-old girl about to die riddled with tumors. They're actually sticking out and go, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's the God I love. That's why he came and died. That's why he gave his back. The Bible says by his stripes we are healed. Wait a second. If he healed us by giving his back... On the whipping post, did he give the girl those tumors too? This sounds like a very confused Jesus. Do I have all the answers? No. One answer I do have. That is not the business he is in. The business he is in, revealed by the word of God, not my own opinions, is this. He gets rid of sickness. My job is to be loyal to that, to stand next to him. Even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of parents who feel like they're going to give up. So I stay there and I, and I said, Emma, live cancer die I prayed that over Anna tonight where's Anna oh okay I prayed that over little Emma when I prayed you could feel the power of God come she came back 
two days later to that Lutheran church and testified. She went back to Yale Medical. On Sunday, she was covered in tumors. I think by Tuesday, she went back to Yale Medical and every trace of cancer was out of her body. Every trace. Every one. What, 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 what happened to Emma? What happened to Emma? She saw that side of Jesus and she fell in love. And she fell in love. The more, I want you to write this down if you have a notebook. The more I see of him, the more I love him. And I'd like you to write this down too. His altogetherness reveals his loveliness. I have two more minutes. Now, how many of you know this is not like what we're doing? This isn't like a game. <laughs> this, we didn't sign up as a career choice. Jesus has the victory. We are enforcing his victory. Part of that is getting rid of devils. And demons. We're getting rid of them. You leave. Go now. Jesus. This is part of what you do. Some of the most amazing deliverance ministries I've seen have been some of these old Greek Orthodox or some of these mainline denominations who actually get it. They actually believe like, hey, these things are real. We know what to do. Now, we don't glorify them and focus on them, but sometimes they show their head like Bill says, I put the scope on them and pull the trigger. Sometimes you need the warrior to walk in, not the shepherd. If your mom is twisted and demon-possessed, if she's lost her mind, if she's locked up, if, 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 if there's an addiction, you don't need the Jesus who puts kids on his lap. You need the Jesus who walks across the Sea of Galilee four miles on a wind... Four miles. You think he'd just walk like 20 feet? The Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide. When he walked on the Sea of Galilee, the Bible says they were in the middle of the lake. That's the Jesus I love. He's not like always a hipster, you know? He, he, he was like, oh, I've got this. And he walked on the Sea of Galilee in a storm. Can you picture this? On the water for four miles. A round of golf is about four and a half miles. Then the Bible says this. When they crossed, I love this. He crossed the lake and then all of a sudden he knew what to do. Drive some devils out. That's the Jesus I love. Now, if someone in your family or you are bound and you meet that side of Jesus, two things happen. You fall in love and you gain a lot of respect for him. A lot of it. The first time my bulldog got attacked by another dog, I told you guys this. He, a big dog, used to bully him, a big German shepherd. Jesse was walking the dog and this German shepherd was always off the leash. And I couldn't even walk in my neighborhood. Because the German shepherd would come after us. And the guy who had him, <laughs> I think he needed deliverance too. So anyways, we'd be like, hey dude, can you put your German shepherd, your full-grown German shepherd on a leash? He'd be like, yeah, that's great. We're like, that's really not. So finally he bit, uh, came after our bulldog. And Jess was walking him. She was pregnant. So Jess was like, I'm not getting in the middle of a dog fight. <laughs> so she let go of the leash. Our bulldog chased the German shepherd into his own house ran through the front door. The guy was sitting on the couch watching TV and our bulldog just went ballistic on the German Shepherd. Okay. <laughs> Two things happened there. He drove the 
German Shepherd out, but he also showed us a side of him. We were like, oh. We, we don't know if we want you to be our pet anymore. <laughs> when Jesus shows up in power, it shows you a side of him that demands respect. Demands respect. Does that, what does that cause? Love to erupt in me. <gasps> because now I see him in his breadth, his width, his depth, his height. I go, oh my gosh. You can do anything. You are phenomenal. And we didn't get to the Beatitudes. We're going to go on like a one-year pilgrimage through the cores, the core of who Jesus is in the Scriptures. You say, well, my, my denomination doesn't teach that. Don't look at your Bible through your denominational lens. Look at your Bible through the lens of Christ. So I don't know what you're facing. Can I have some help here? I, I, don't, know, I don't know what you're facing tonight. You know, I, I grew up playing golf for a living. I played at some of the highest levels in the different settings. And I found something out in the lives of these people. In, in so many different realms of society. It could be a big house, it could be a small house. It could be a million letters behind their names with a degree or no letters behind them. Nothing, n- neither is better than, the, I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying this, at the core, people are dealing with situations. At the core, they have a mom who's sick, they have an addiction, they have a... There's a wife in a home who feels ignored. There's a husband who doesn't feel honored and taken care of. There are kids who are, who've gone their own way. There's my mom praying, like, like my mom and my grandmother praying, that I would come back home and leave my life of, of sin and, and craziness. There's a family. There's a single mom, maybe here tonight, who doesn't know how she's going to pay her rent, who doesn't know how she's going to feed her children. These are... These are situations we deal with. But there is, Jesus fulfills every need. No matter what you're facing tonight, it, he himself is the answer. You don't need another seminar. You don't need another conference. You don't need the next great book. Though God can use all that stuff. We do them all. Who you need is Jesus. You don't need a what, you need a who. River came down here with no money and a printer. I love that story. She didn't have money, so she brought a printer, as though that would pay her tuition. What were you thinking, girl? She brought what she had. God paid for her tuition in a day. This is Jesus. He's, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. If you're addicted to medication, I feel this strongly tonight. You can't get off. Jesus can set you free tonight. Set you free in a moment. He can, I, I believe in the process. We, we do it all. But I believe tonight he can set you free in a moment. Some of you are riddled with fear. You don't know what tomorrow looks like. You don't need to fear. The Bible says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But of power, love, and a sound mind. You can be free. Every answer is found right there in him. And here's the good news. He's right here in the room. He's right here in the room. 
I'm, I don't know. Maybe some of you are here and it makes you feel really uncomfortable. But I want you to offer something tonight that's beyond your comfort zone. Maybe some of you have never even lifted your hands. You've never been in a setting like this. But you feel like it's the Lord that God brought you here for a reason. Would you just close your eyes right where you're at? Yes, Lord. I sense that warrior in the room tonight wanting to set people free. If you need to be free from any type of activity, addiction, anything, any bondage, any, 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 it could be anger, it could be whatever, alcohol, it could be anything. It could be, this is not a judgment zone. This is a grace, mercy zone where the love of God is flowing. If you need to be free from sin, Sin has the best of you. I want you to quickly lift your hand tonight. You just say, I need to be free. This is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Now I'd like everyone to stand up, please. Please, would you do that? And if you, if you raised your hand, or you wish you would have raised your hand, you want to be free and come to Jesus who sets people free. I want you to come down. This is what Jesus said. If you confess me before man, I'll confess you before the Father. He said, whom the Son sets free. It's free indeed. I want you to come forward right now. Get out of your seat if you raised your hand. Many of you raised your hand. You come to a fountain of mercy tonight, to a fountain of love, and be completely set free. And I want everyone in their seats to just welcome them. I want you to love on them. Come. Come forward. Come. Young, old, grew up in the church, doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not asking if you grew up in the church. Church doesn't save you. Religion will not save you. Come, ma'am. Come, 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 come. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercy, God. You see, when you lift Jesus up, he begins to draw men. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, those of you who came forward, I want you to look at me. Jesus is a Savior. You don't save you. You come to him, and he saves you, and he makes beauty out of ashes. Okay? He makes beauty out of ashes. And tonight, everything changes. Everything. I don't care. Maybe you're saying, I've tried this before. You've not tried Him before. And if you've tried Him and you've gone your own way, He's right here waiting for you tonight. What, what does not matter is how perfectly you pray what we're about to pray. What does matter is that you know who you're talking to. Okay? So every eye closed. I want us... And if while I'm praying, if there's some of you in your seats who feel like you need to come forward, you're more than welcome to come. You will not interrupt us. I want you guys up here to lift your hands. If you're in your seats, I want you to stretch your hands just as an act of faith. Just stretch your hands towards them. It's a way of blessing them. Jesus touched them. He reached out and touched the children. He touched the sick and blessed them and healed them. So we're just stepping out of faith now. For all of you who came forward, I want you to pray this out loud and the Lord will meet your needs. So close your eyes. Close your eyes. Are you ready to pray? I wanted to hear it come out of your mouth. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight. I need you. Help me. Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. You are the Savior of the world. You are my Savior. You are the Son of God. 
You died on the cross and shed your blood to take away my sin. Jesus, you were buried and you've been raised from the dead because you're the Son of God. Now, Lord, I bring you my life. Take my life. Take all of me. Yes, Lord. Take all of me. You're my Lord forever. Come on, say it. You're my Lord forever and the Savior of my soul. In Jesus' name. Amen. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.